Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of Crypto with English. First episode, and we are being uh, joined again with a, form, a former guest, Paulina Bialik. She's the CEO of Frosty Whale. And this is a platform where fans and influencers can build meaningful relationships. So, you know, maybe starting at the top, what does a meaningful relationship mean in Web3? <laughs> so for me, not even in Web3, but actually a meaningful relationship is a two-sided relationship. So sure. um, especially in this influencer, influencer fund space, very often those relationships are one-sided. So sure. funds love the influencer, demonstrate their love, but the influencer knows nothing about the fund. So it's like very much one-sided relationship. On our platform, those relationships are two-sided. So not only fans can demonstrate their love, but they can actually receive love. Sure. So when it, I guess when you use the term receive love, what does that mean <laughs> in this context? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, you know, like we, we keep talking about like love, love, but this is sort of like abbreviation of um, all the feelings behind it. So sure. in this context, love means attention, recognition, sure. acknowledgement, appreciation, connection. Right. Yeah. So, so in this context, if you wanted to show love to, let's say, an influencer, somebody that you follow or somebody that you admire, would somebody, let's say hypothetically, if it's me, if I was to go on Frosty Whale and say, listen, I'm a huge fan of Paulina Bialik. I want to show love, so to say. Would I would I essentially be buying a NFT and essentially sending that your way? Yes. So um, from the fan perspective, if they want to demonstrate love, for example, on our platform, we have auctions. So uh, fans can win the auction, for example, or can buy the NFTs in direct sales. Sure. Right, absolutely. So, so fan connections are monetized throughout this process, correct? Correct. So, if if somebody who's never, you know, been in tech or they're not familiar with either metaverse or NFTs or crypto, how would you how would you explain that to uh, somebody? Uh, um. Yeah, so for the fans, it's very important from the connection point of view. They enjoy the ownership of that. The fact that they are the sole owners of this unique digital asset and everybody knows, not only the influencer, but the whole community that they won the auction, that they own it now. So this is something that wasn't possible in the virtual world before, sure. but what's possible now with the NFT technology. So um, before, an influencer had to organize an auction of a physical asset, something sure. unique but physical. Now we have originality in the digital world, so um, no need to produce something physical, especially sure. for influencers who are online celebrities. Sure. So they, they produce digital content, and now this content can be um can be auctioned can be owned right yeah ab absolutely and i'm sure you heard the age-old argument in uh, web3 or at least people 
interested in Web3, one might say, well, listen, why don't I just take a snapshot, you know, save a JPEG instead of buying a digital collectible? Like, what would your answer be to that? <laughs> okay, so we got a lot of questions like that, especially at the very beginning, sure. because the understanding of the NFTs and a blockchain, the whole technology behind it is very low in this uh, industry, influencer fan industry. But um, the thing is that on our platforms, influencers mainly run auctions. So if you do the auction, so basically you announce the auction, people right. are bidding in the auction, they are fighting, someone is winning the auction, then the influencer is shouting out, oh, thank you so much. Uh, for winning the auction is establishing this closer connection through the chats, maybe with the with the winner. Um, so this is this sort of like experience that comes together with the auction, with winning the auction, with sure. the closer connection later, that um, you are buying together with the NFT. Um, okay, you can do the screenshot, but you will not get any of those emotions they just mentioned. Sure, and. Has there ever been a story of a influencer and a fan falling in love? I don't make assumptions about anything. I'm just curious if, if there's ever been something like that or if you've heard of anything. <laughs> uh, so on our platform, um, so, okay. So recently one influencer showed us the messages that he exchanged with the fan. And from the fan side, there was a lot of, um, oh, I love you. I will always love you. Like heart has hearts, hearts, hearts. <laughs> Maybe from the influencer side, it wasn't that deep um, and that far. Right. But uh, yes, yeah, so like we didn't have a clear case that both sides um, fell in right. love. But, sure. uh, yeah, but, um, but very, um, very nice messages has been exchanged. Have been exchanged. Sure. And for Frosty Whale, the official love token. So that is the currency on your platform. Is that correct? <laughs> it's just the wording that we use. That's why sure. we called it love token sure. because of um, all the feelings and emotions that are um, that, she, that you are receiving when you are sure. buying non-fungible token. So, um, yeah, so this is the phrase that we are using, but this is not a token um, in the sense of tokens, coins, etc. Sure. So for the underlying technology, what does Frosty Whale use? Is it Ethereum-based or is it something else? Uh, Polygon. So we, okay. we use Polygon blockchain. Okay. And this is a very interesting concept. It's, it's quite novel. So where did the idea for Frosty Whale come from originally? <laughs> so the idea, you know, the problem that we are solving is that the most devoted fans currently cannot form any meaningful relationships with their influencers. The only one type of relationships that can be purchased online are sex-based relationships. So sure. this is where the idea came from because we believe that what fans want more than sex is love. So that's why on our platform they can buy love, uh, love-based sure. relationships. And um, on the other hand, we also wanted to solve a problem for the influencers 
who currently are struggling to make money. Um, 99% of mid-tier influencers earn peanuts, cannot make a living from influencing. And this is what we wanted to change. Sure, absolutely. And your platform, your company is based in Singapore. So what demographic is Frosty Whale most popular with? Is it mostly localized in Southeast Asia or there, you know, are there, is it gaining traction in Europe or United States? Like, how is it looking right now? Our goal was to um, launch this platform first in Southeast Asia because we, we see huge potential for this kind of business uh, in this particular region. Um, for example, in Southeast Asia, there are almost 700 million uh, people. Sure. And um, if you were about to guess how many of them are Gen Z plus millennials, how many percent? Oh, it's almost 60%. It's 57%. Oh, wow. So if you very for young example, population. Very young population. If you compare it to the US, in US, there is sure. 4%. Um, so, you know, it's it's less and the population is it's smaller. So that's why we've seen a huge potential in Southeast Asia. Moreover, um, those countries are still developing countries, um, the majority of them, Thailand, Vietnam. Uh, in developing countries, people are hungry and people are very motivated to achieve success. So when we work with even young people, they have a huge, huge motivation. Right. So those are, <laughs> yeah, just uh, it, maybe two advantages for Southeast Asia, but another one can be number of social media users, uh, 500 million. And this is the third region in the world, just after um, East Asia and South Asia. The fourth place will go to North uh, America. So right. um, a lot of social media users, very high engagement rate, entertainment industry is booming, uh, gaming, streaming. Um, so all those factors um, cause <laughs> that <laughs> we, we see a huge potential here. And this is our first region that we are targeting. Yeah. And I think by the numbers and the demographics, that makes sense, especially the very high proportion of, you could say, Gen Z, millennial, you know, population in Southeast Asia, which, I mean, is, is, it's quite interesting. So when it comes to pursuing meaningful relationships, I looked on Frosty Wheel, you have a function or a tool called Frosty Chat. Can you, can you talk <laughs> about that? So uh, on Frosty Chats, uh, fans and influencers can communicate directly. So um, how does this work? So right. usually if there is an auction or direct sales, an influencer will see who are the top spenders, the high potential fans, and um, will establish closer relationship with them. So for example, we'll text them, oh, thank you so much for, um, for your support or congratulations on winning the auction. And sure. boom, they will start this, um, this sort of conversation and it can go very far up to influencer and the fun. Um, but the another function um, for Frosty chats that we are currently working on are AI driven chats. So okay. this is still case studies, but uh, at the moment influencers can train their AI, which in the future will be able to help them manage 
relationships with the fans because every influencer has limited time so um they cannot have countless relationships and they yeah. cannot manage them simultaneously but uh, with ai driven chats it will be right. way way easier scalability strengthening sure. relationships effectively monetizing them so this is what we are currently working on sure so i would imagine an influencer, probably even just the average one, may be getting messaged constantly throughout the day. So would essentially, would this be like almost an AI bot to kind of, you could say, answer the questions and reply to people on time so they maintain that fan base effectively? Um, so it's not like a bot. So could the current technology already allows that those interactions are very personal, empathetic, emotional. So AI can act, can AI is trained to use uh, influencers' chat logs. Okay. So it's learning based on the conversation that influencer had before with other fans. Then influencers have to talk to AI and correct the answers. So okay. it's a whole process of training this and AI, it definitely doesn't sound like a bot anymore. Right. And I would imagine the more interactions, the more efficient the AI is going to be over time. And I would think it's probably hard to uh, differentiate. Like, is this, is this the tech talking or is this the influencer themselves? Yes, although on our platform, um, we don't fool people. I mean, it's it's clear that you are talking to AI. So as a fan, you are going to be informed that you are talking to AI. And sure. um, it's not meant to be that we are just replacing influencers, not telling the fans that they are talking to AI. Even right. if this is distinguishable, uh, undistinguishable, um, still it will be clear that you are talking to the AI. Yeah, I mean, this is this is in many ways the, the future we are we are living in right now. Are there issues where you know female influencers receive like sexual harassment? Male ones, male ones as well. Like, do you have instances where fans are you know crossing boundaries and being inappropriate and harmful? Um, so far, we don't have those incidents, uh, but. You know, our influencers, they are not only fans influencers. Um, so the expectation on our platform is slightly different. If they were okay with uh, sex talks and, you know, selling agile content, sure. then they maybe would be doing this on OnlyFans. If they are not, sure. so this is sort of clear for the fans that um, for the influencer, it's not okay. Usually fans don't go that far. And those relationships tend to be quite healthy. I mean, um, fans really care about the influence. So right. we have cases when guys, they treat a girl almost like she was okay. their girlfriend. So they are, you know, so kind to her and they take care about her, care about her. They, um, you know, are asking how she's doing. If she has a problem, they will be very supportive, etc. Right. So those relationships are more like strong friendships. Sure. Uh, we haven't experienced harassment, but I guess that this might happen in the future. Um, 
Yeah, so, right. so there, there is this sort of risk, but also on our platform, influencers are not forced to talking to the fans. Right. So um, if an influencer doesn't want to talk, doesn't have to. They can only engage in conversations with the fans they want. Right, so with Frosty Whale, for instance, if one of the influencers decided, hey, listen, I want to increase my numbers in fan, in fan base. Why don't I just start putting out news or start putting out like brief clips? In that case, how would Frosty Whale, let's say, react to that kind of influencer? <laughs> so we can always block this content on our platform sure. because this is uh, not allowed. We have some restrictions on that. And um, on the other hand, I'm not sure if this is the way of uh, increasing the fan base, but maybe on our platform, it's um, rather strengthening and monetizing the relationships with the fans, with the most devoted right. fans. Who are your most devoted fans and the ones that are able to spend the most? Usually the fans that will know you uh, before you started selling on our platform. So influencers already have devoted fans and most probably those fans will be the, the top spenders, the buyers on the platform. Even if you post nudes, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, not, not sure if this will really increase your following or um, sure. interest on our platform and how this is currently structured and yeah. Right, right, that's quite interesting. and. You know, maybe for some more context, but it seems like a, a phenomenon. Is it? Is it something unique in Southeast Asia where a fan wants to have some sort of, you know, uh, deep emotional attachment as far as you could say getting to know somebody? You know, apart, you know, apart from the physical thing. Like, is this kind of, uh, you know, a local, you know, phenomenon where it's like. Listen, I I admire, I really like this person. I want to just, you know, buy their digital collectibles and show them that I'm a huge fan, but with kind of just keeping it within friendship. Is this uh is this is this unique over there? Is it <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if this is unique to Asia, but uh, you know, it's very common that in social media, when you have an influencer, usually um, hundreds of fans or dozens of fans, depending sure. on the audience, will be send, will be trying to send the message, the personal message, sure. direct message to, to the influencer. Um, influencers don't reply. Then fans try commenting under the posts. So they are sort right. of looking for this attention and connection. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious on social media, but they are not getting this back because in social media, if you are an influencer and you are getting hundreds of messages, uh, right. you are just not able physically able to reply to all of them. And you don't know who are the most devoted fans. You don't know who are the fans that, uh, that, you know, that really love you and, um, so on our platform, we are trying to segment the fan base. We are trying to, we are helping you to identify the high potential fans, the fans that want to pay for closer relationship with you. And this is the opportunity for you as an influencer to build a revenue stream 
giving your most devoted fans what they want, which is a closer connection with you. And right. yeah, it, it is it is friendship, uh, but uh, again, not sure if this is specific for Asia. Um, right, I didn't mean it that way. I wonder if it's uh, I wonder if it's even more of a Gen Z uh, type of you know type of thing to kind of be a uh, digital fan essentially and you know actively follow somebody by their content by their digital collectibles so i think that this is uh, the feeling created by social media actually because if we follow someone every single day we know so much about this influencer we feel like this person was already sort of a friend but actually this is one-sided relationship so i don't right. almost like everything about you because you are posting insta stories and uh, you know live streaming or whatever all the time and uh, you know nothing about me so this desire to get to know people better is um, built over the time so over this interactions in social media that uh, we have with influencers um, sure. and yeah I mean that definitely some fans will want to go further than friendship but um, there are a lot of fans that just want to show their love just want to um, get back thank you thank you for supporting me you know some small talk and they are already super happy with that because they feel seen and they feel that their support is appreciated um, so yeah, so so it, it it doesn't have to go that far to make fans happy. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And for your platform, what makes it stand out? Let's say against Twitter or Instagram, because listen, you know, many influencers, celebrities can just you know listen, open a Twitter account, open an Instagram account, and I think even now they have functionalities where you could you know sign up for subscriptions and you know other things are are monetized. Uh, what do you feel stands out with your company versus those? So on our platform, uh, the relationship is one-on-one. -on -one. So this is before uh, between one fan and influencer. Um, right. In many of those platforms, um, or like streaming platforms, the relationship is between the influencer and the community. So sure. those are not one-on-one -on -one relationships that, uh, that you can build. Um, okay, you can go for a subscription-based model on in social media, uh, on social media. But usually, those subscriptions models doesn't enable inf don't enable influencers to generate that much money. Uh, because why? For example, imagine that the subscription they set is three dollars. If you are targeting the mass market, you have to set the price that is not too high. That is. Um, sort of like people can afford. So then you are setting up the subscription, $3, $5, maybe $10. And you are trying to get as many fans as possible to pay for this subscription. And right. then you end up having, for example, 10, 20 fans for maybe paying you. So you are generating um, $200, imagine, per month. Although I've seen pretty big influencers generating much less. And sure. okay, so like you have $200 per month from those subscriptions. Whereas on our platform, you run the auction and you can easily get $200 in just one auction. So okay. um, the value that we are providing is 
higher for the funds in the sense that they are willing to spend much more than on the generate subscriptions um, that are tend to be for the mass market. Okay. Now, I would imagine if you're a fan, you're using Frosty Whale, you have to have disposable income. So is there like an age range? Is there a demographic where, you know, this, this group of people tend to make up more of the fans? Has uh, any, any info like that come up? Like, is it like, you know, mid-20s to early 30s that like, you know, make up the fans, for instance? Or is it younger or slightly older? <laughs> so the influencers that we collaborate with, uh, the, the, our like target influencer persona will right. be people that are around 25 years old. Okay. Because they are at this age that, you know, they are looking for career opportunities. Uh, they are not in kids anymore. So they have some sort of like responsibilities already. They graduated from schools and they are trying to develop their career to make money, to start making money. So this is um, like a perfect fit for us because then we come and we offer this opportunity to make money on our platform and build your career this way, influencing uh, career this way. Um, when it comes to funds, so for example, imagine that the influencer is 25 years old around that sure. age. On our platform, funds to be between 25 to like 35 years old will be the majority of the funds. So okay. again, those are not um, that young people, like not not teenagers usually. Okay, that's uh, that's that's quite interesting to uh, to say to say the least. So, what does Frosty Will have planned for the future? Like, what is the uh, the six month, twelve month? two-year plan as far as business, scaling it, maybe going into different markets? What does that look like? <laughs> In terms of scaling, definitely. So currently we are working on the Thai market. Um, and the next year will be other markets in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, and, uh, and in the future, East Asia. But in terms of product and what we are offering. So currently we are working on the AI-driven chats to enable every single influencer on our platform to train their AI. Uh, right. So this will be a huge upgrade, um, I believe. And the another thing that we are currently working on are virtual influencers, which we hugely believe in because virtual influencers um, can manage countless relationships simultaneously. Right don't have any emotional barriers. So those are um, the advantages over the um, human influencers. On the other hand, this is a huge motivation for the human influencers that they have to start offering something more than they are doing currently in terms of relationships because fans are looking for this connection and with virtual influencers, it will be way, way easier. Uh, with, the current with the human influencers, very often they don't understand it, that connection is important and they just don't care about the fans, but are trying to make money from them. And I believe that this is a bit unfair because actually you don't care about the fans, you, you've never replied to any message, but sure. then on the other hand, you are trying to uh, and uh, giving you donations or subscribing uh, to your content. So 
this is uh, where we see the huge opportunity because the virtual influencers will be sort of a motivator for the human influencers that they have to improve on this field of relationships that fans are looking for. And um, actually, it's already happening. For example, recently, I've seen a documentary from China. Uh, three women reported falling in love with their replicas. So replicas, basically oh. AI. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> something like a virtual, um, virtual persona. <laughs> right, right. Yes, like people are falling in love because people feel lonely and are looking for this sort of connection. On the other hand, in the US, because you may say that uh, this, uh, this must be Asian thing, but in the US recently, there was a case study when an influencer trained, she trained her AI and thousands of fans sign up and spend thousands of hours in the first few days talking to the AI and talking about very personal things. Um, so it also shows that there is huge desire among fans to get to know an influencer better, to connect with an influencer, to have this conversation at the end of the day. So it's not only purely about buying from the influencer, but getting something more, like getting this attention, recognition, connection that fans are striving for. Sure. And is it possible to... Uh break it down into categories as far as types of influencers. Like, are there influencers that are more like motivational speakers? Are there influencers that are just models? Are there influencers who are just athletes and maybe they're, you know, they're, they're posting some of their feats? Like, is there, yeah. is there like a pattern of like, you know, kind of like an archetype or like a category of each? Yes, true. So actually I love this question because um, this is super interesting. I believe that we like, very often people people understand influencers in just one way when i say influencer you most probably have in mind people who are um promoting products like doing product promotion beauty products you know trying to uh, co collaborate with brands etc very often we understand influencers like that that these are influencers sort of like a uh, marketing tube sure uh, or influencers are people who achieved something in the past and that's why they became famous. So this is, yeah, so like this is a traditional influencer and this is, uh, this is how the vast majority of people understand an influencer. But recently, actually, I've checked how many influencers are there. And as we are focused on mid-tier influencers, they have between 50K to 500K followers. And there are 80 million people like that in the world. And this many this is new generation of influencers that is currently coming. So those are people that not necessarily did something um, that are, those are not people that are necessarily good at doing something. So not necessarily have another career like um, popular singer, a musician or a painter or whatever. Very often they are just famous for being famous. So they, they gain following because maybe attractive, good looking, um, maybe nice personality. And this is the vast majority of influencers. So those are not people who have another career. They just have following in social media that they've, uh, that they've gained because of how cool, how nice they are and uh, and those are this new generation of influencers is actually the influencers that we are targeting. 
So not necessarily influencers that have other careers and you know are busy doing other things, achieving successes on other fields. Um, because if they do so, they don't have time to spend on talking to fans, you know, engaging in those relationships. But there is a huge amount of influencers that are making peanuts, cannot monetize influencing, um, have to have another job that they don't enjoy, that they would like to quit and sure. make influencing their full time, but um, they cannot monetize it. So this is where we come in and we are enabling those people to make um, make like Frosty Whale their full-time job, their career. Right. And I'm curious about your opinion on this. Do you think artificial intelligence will make these relationships better or worse over time? From what we can observe right now, it seems that um, it's making those relationships better because um, for example, those women in China that fall in love with AI. And in this documentary, they were actually very happy because before they were lonely. So at least um, they had a chance to have someone and, you know, they, sure. they were talking about all the advantages of that, that they have someone to talk to every single day, that this, this um, AI will listen to them, um, that they don't feel lonely anymore. So I get it that this this is definitely the advantage. Also in China, um, let's remember that there are millions of men that will never get a chance to get married sure. because there's just not enough women. So right. um, in this case, if you are unable to find a partner in the real world, maybe you will have to find a partner in the virtual world. So I guess that at least, you know, maybe this is not a perfect solution, but at least uh, some sort of a solution. So here I see the advantages. AI-driven chats of human influencers. So when human influencers train their AI, here I also see the advantage because um, as humans, we have limited capacity. We cannot um, you know, engage with everyone all the time. And this can be a huge help for the influencers that now they can build relationships with a larger group of fans using their um, AI, training their AI. So here I see another advantage. Uh, um, AI can also, AI is also better actually in analyzing, in collecting and utilizing data. So in all those conversations, AI can gather, collect a lot of data and utilize this data to upsell unique digital assets, to upsell the NFTs, which can also help influencers to maximize income. So um, another advantage for the influencers, for the fans and um, advantages, uh, about um, you know like loneliness, relationships, these advantages that I can think of. Um, but maybe the, this is sort of like a disadvantage for the human influencers that I believe that those relationships will never be the same. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of wonder when it comes to human relationships, if you're building like a uh, relationship with an AI, would that be like infidelity or something like that? Like as these things get more and more advanced, I think the, the lines, I think the lines with, you know, relationships, humans, robots, these are all going to get blurrier over time, it seems. 
Right. <laughs> yes, but uh, you know, recently we've been doing this research about that, and um, there have been books about human relationships that sure. were released like 20 years ago. And humanity right. was like, we were already thinking about that. And then very popular movie, Her, um, about also like relationship with AI 10 years ago. So basically, you know, we've been sort of like exploring this for a long time, but now technology ena really enables that. Right. So I, yeah, you might be thinking that, oh, like maybe the, the sort of relationships, maybe it's not right, but it's, it's like already happening. It's already happening. So it's not that um, only our company does that. This uh, is, you know, the, the way the market is going. Right. That is, uh, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. And, you know, from, you could say, I guess you could say from the data from, from fans and even looking at the way influencers speak, do, do men seek a certain type of dialogue or in relationship that is very unique to, let's say, what a woman seeks as far as a relationship in a conversation with a influencer? Like, is there like a clear pattern as far as, you know, the things they talk about? Or, you know, you, know, you could almost say the ability to share like problems or, you know, innermost either, you know, turmoil or things like that. <laughs> yeah, so like we do not have access to all the conversations, yeah. so we are not uh, reading all of them, but uh, only the ones that you know, influencers on our fans share with us. Um, sure. But those messages, yeah, so it can be about sharing problems, but usually it's more about sharing some positive things. So, okay. uh, you know, some experiences, oh, I've been here, I've done that, um, how do you like it? Etc. So this is yeah. So 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 it's it's rather this type of conversation, and uh, obviously they are thanking each other for support, like thank you for supporting me. So this sure. happens often, or um, I love you, <laughs> I, I like talking right. to you. Like, so like some sort of like cute messages, right. but uh, I've like so far I've never uh, came come across uh, any conversation about. Uh, sex or like going like heavily this way i right. believe that maybe those con those two relationships are not that deep yet that fans wouldn't be that brave to start talking to an influencer about such things sure. especially that it seems like an influencer isn't open to that in the first place right so, i would imagine um, yeah awkward right like if you just like start talking about it and influencer is not either to to continue Right. And since your company's focus is Southeast Asia, is there one country you can pinpoint and say, this is going to be the biggest, you could almost say, user base in the future? Like, you know, like, is it Vietnam, Thailand, you know, is it Indonesia? Like, is there one place where you can kind of zero in and, and say, this is going to be the next, you could say, um, customer, or you, this is going to be, this is kind of the untapped market, so to say. I would say that each of those countries in Southeast Asia is sort of like an untapped market because I, there are many local 
solutions for each country. So, for example, some like local platforms in Thailand, some local platforms in Vietnam. But what influencers are looking for is something more global. So they, because usually they have um, following from different countries, also from, uh, you know, for example, from the US. And if the platform is that localized, that everything is the local language, there is no English language. So obviously those fans abroad, they are not engaging with you. If they are not engaging with you, like in the US, spending like $200 is not as much as spending $200 in um, for the fun in the Philippines, right? Or or in Indonesia. So um, fans, uh, influencers definitely want to engage with their fans abroad. But many of those local solutions make it sort of impossible because they are like too localized. On the other hand, there are global solutions, uh, platforms like OnlyFans or Patreon. But those companies have never been um, focused on Asia or like targeting Asia specifically. So that's why they don't have localization, which is again a problem because if you cannot um, change the language, if uh, you cannot pay using local methods, it's making it's making those platforms like very difficult to use for the local audience. So I believe that platform that is sort of global but with localization for each single country, I think that this can be uh, a breakthrough, and we believe that this is the way to go. So I wouldn't say that there is just one country that we are targeting in Southeast Asia because I believe that this region is about. This is about the region, so it's not about single countries, but the region has a huge power. And region has a population almost 700 million people. Right. So, yeah, so like one country will not be enough for us. But uh, apart from Southeast Asia, we've been always thinking about East Asia. So this is our end goal. Korea, Japan, um, definitely countries where virtual influencers will have huge potential. AI will have huge potential and um, can address a lot of problems that uh, that are there, like for example, loneliness in Japan. Right, right, ab- absolutely. So, what advice would you give to any future entrepreneur looking to do something, you know, within you know NFTs, blockchain, generally speaking, because it's still a widely misunderstood technology. <laughs> Um, definitely misunderstood and uh, in this crypto winter, I believe that this is even more difficult to uh, to convince people that you know that this is basically the future. We still believe in blockchain. I believe that this is uh, amazing technology, but I think that many people will turn back, and I can see that um, yeah. investors, but also enthusiasts. You know, like before everybody had on LinkedIn, oh, I'm like Web3. And now like the, these people, they say, oh, like, but we, we are not in Web3 anymore. We are not, not doing this anymore. So I think that, yeah, it, it was um, it was way, way better before. And people were much more enthusiastic about the NFTs, uh, about like yeah. digital assets, the future of this technology than they are now. But um, I believe that this is still the way to go. So especially in our case, though we use blockchain technology, um, we are not selling blockchain in the first place because this is just the technology that enabling us to do 
all those things that we are doing on the platform. Um, so I think that this is also the way to go for entrepreneurs that to capture the mass market, you have to find uh, real usage for this technology. It shouldn't be just about, oh, we are selling the NFTs and we can do some trading speculation and maybe make right. some money because not, um, this value proposition is not enough. Especially right. now in winter, nobody would be interested in that. Right, right, absolutely. So I guess, you know, to wrap this up, these NFT collectibles, in many ways, it's kind of a way for both, you know, influencers to, in many ways, feel like they belong in many ways to the fans and the fans feel like they at least, you know, have, a, you know, I think they at least belong in some way in the influencer's life as well. It seems there's some sort of, you know, mutual uh, benefit here. Yes, definitely. Because if you are an influencer and you created something and this is this video or photo um, or whatever is very important for you and now right. your fan is owning this. So it's sort of like build this um, bond, it's sort of like building right. this bond. Yes. Like similar, yes. Yeah, similar when you are buying a painting of a famous artist. So you feel closer to this artist because you are owning this painting that right. you, know, you are the sole owner. Uh, so I think that this is a um, similar psychological mechanism that right. consciously or unconsciously is bringing this ownership, originality in digital world. So it's already building right. the bond and then you can and this uh, using chats and uh, direct conversations. Right. Excellent. And well, I believe... <laughs> yes, please. If, we, um, if I answer this question, how are fan connections monetized? So maybe we can also talk a little bit about it because sure. this yeah. question is yeah, basically about... Uh, <laughs> how you can make yes, money as an influencer right how you can so the ways how we can have money so i right. believe that there are actually three ways how we can um or like the first way the least obvious way is like we can steal money from someone right but obviously this is not the way to go the second option is that we can get money from someone so we can beg for money and begging for money Although, okay, so when I say like beg for money, get money from someone, so it's very much associated with people begging on the streets. But actually, in right. the media, in, um, in the digital world, it's also happening because what? Like some influencers, they are begging for donations on those platforms. And right. I believe that this is actually not right. And that's why we do not offer donation, this donation feature on our platform. Um, because very often those influencers, they don't want to, uh, you know, like you are an influencer, you have 200,000 followers right. and you are asking uh, your community to give you $200 for costume or like whatever you need. And I'm like, you know, I feel that this is a bit unfair because you have 200,000 followers. Those people are striving to connect with you. They are looking for some specific value, which you right. are not, but then you want money from them. And at the, at the end of the day, so I feel that it's just like, okay, so we are getting money, but they are not getting what they are actually uh, would like to get from you. So I believe right. that this is, um, yeah, so <laughs> this is like one-sided benefit. 
And that's why the third way of having money is actually earning money. So this is what we are offering on our platform. How to earn money? You have to provide value. And this is this is what you are basically selling, selling this, this value. On our platform, you are selling connection, you are selling attention, recognition, right. all those feelings. And you are providing value to your fans and you are getting money in return. You are not getting money directly because it would be like very difficult to... Um, to price the connection, attention, conversation, whatever. So that's why we use digital assets. On our platform, fans are buying digital assets. And this is sort of like a currency. So I'm buying from you like this digital asset and like you are giving me some attention, recognition, connection. Right. And I, and I wonder, do you think this opens the door where you can monetize specific interactions? So like, hey, listen, if you want a 10 minute conversation with me, this is the price. If you want a 30 minute conversation with me, this is the price. if <laughs> yeah, you want two hours, like, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean, but actually, yeah, so that, that you can price the conversation and for example, fans can pay you for a minute of, uh, uh, for example, one USD for, uh, for a minute of conversation. I've seen this model before, but actually, again, we don't believe in this model because sure. um, look, there are actually, there are actually two psychological mechanisms. So I believe that in our business, it's all about psychology. So first of all, when you are buying something from someone, and this is that specific that I'm buying from you 10 minutes of your time. So then it creates expectations on my side because I paid for this. And for example, you went to the bathroom, you did something, you know, like you did, you, I didn't get the value that I was expecting to get. And I paid for that. And then it feels like, you know, fans might be unhappy and it might cause some sort of like tension if you are, if you price it like that. In our case, oh, I'm buying like a digital asset from you and you influencers, it's up to them. Like they can spend time talking to the fans, but fans don't have any expectations um, because they didn't pay for this message directly. You know, influencer isn't talking to them because they paid to an influencer for that. Uh, you know, I, I think this is certainly some sort of uh, graying area of human relationships with each other and with bots. So I think with what you're doing with Frosty Whale, this is in many ways a very, very experimental, unpredictable er- area of human nature where it's gonna be it's gonna be anybody's guess as far as where these things lead. I mean, people are going to be falling in love with AI. I mean, they already, you know, they already are. And I think for a lot of people, as time goes on, let's say showing love through the token or, you know, buying collectibles or, you know, let's say using the strip club example, that's going to, you know, that's going to be, you could say enough gratification for somebody because they had that interaction. You know, even if it is digital, you know, people are still going to feel some sort of bond or or connection, you know, regardless. So I am very curious to see where 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 the future will go as far as this. So not to say, Pauline, it was absolutely it was absolutely great having you coming back onto the show and learning a bit more about what Frosty Whale has has been up to. And you know, seemingly you're at the uh, forefront of the evolution of uh, human relationships. It's got to be a very exciting thing, and I'm very curious to see. Uh, how that's going to pan out. And uh, yes, I hope you keep me updated on that. (laughs) Thank you, Adam, for having me. This was a great pleasure 
to talk to you. And um, you. yeah, we are doing our best to be at the forefront of this revolution that is um, already happening. But right. uh, I will keep you updated and hopefully yeah. we we'll have another yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, if there's any more interesting stories of men or women falling in love with AI bots, please yeah, keep me posted. I, <laughs> I always love on your interesting we, we story. Are we are trying to track um, all those cases. So, um, yeah, I believe that, you know, advancing a, uh, AI is advancing rapidly. It's, um, there are many, many more case studies how AI can be used. And also in this influencer um, fun economy, in the creator economy. So um, I believe that there are interesting times ahead of us. And sure. yeah, so, so let's see where those virtual relationships will, will get us. At the yeah, end the um, I'm very curious to see how that's going to evolve you know, even as we get, you know, later, later into the year, because things are just changing so, so rapidly. So, you know, I'm looking forward to having you come back on and, you know, perhaps as a co-host with, uh, you know, perhaps another subject matter expert to maybe expand on this, because listen, this is very real. It's happening in real time. And listen, this, this stuff is, you know, let's say in the future, but, and some of it is happening before our eyes, but, you know, a lot of these things are going to be very normal very soon. So, you know, even as I laugh or you laugh about, you know, a woman falling in love with an AI or a man falling in love with an AI, this is going to be pretty normal in the, in the next few years. And people are not going to really seem either entertained or, you know, it's not even going to be like a stigma, I think, for men. I think it's, I think it could possibly, it could really go there. Mm, definitely, um, definitely agree with that. And as I've mentioned before, you know, like those women in China fell in love, right. but a lot of men in China will have this problem that they will not be able to find a real a partner in the real world. So um, this will become a mainstream, not, a, not because, not because, you know, like people like talking right. to AI, but maybe they would just not have another choice for talking to a real person or being with a real person. Do you hear that, man? Competing with AI is going to be a very, very real thing. Just right around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, like, but like I said, it was uh, an absolute pleasure having, having you back on again. And I'm looking forward to uh, picking up from this convo, you know, the next, the next time around. And, you know, like I said, there's going to be a lot more of this. And it's going to be really a lot more of a normal thing throughout, you know, throughout society. You know, it's... Listen, you, it's, it, it is what it is. And, you know, these things are very, very real. Definitely. Totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I think, I, I think uh, let's, let's keep our eyes open and see where, where, all, of this, where all of this goes. I think all of us are going to be in for a ride and, and a surprise as, as, as time goes on, to say the least. <laughs> yes, but one small thing, uh, we've been talking a lot about AI, but uh, we are actually on our platform, we have a combination of both AI and Web3. And sure. although it's crypto winter, I still believe that Web3 is the way to go. And sure. um, and yeah, I, I hope that not only we will AI progress, but also there will be, there will be some interesting case studies how Web3 can 
um, solve some problems or like it can be used like real case studies because I believe that we haven't seen that many of them yet in the previous crypto summer. There was a lot of trading, a lot of speculation, a lot of bubbles, but but yeah, but let's see where where blockchain is heading to. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is here to stay, and I think a lot of it is misunderstood. So yes, I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of both good and bad surprises. You know, go you know going forward, you're going to see a lot of the great potential for problem solving with you know a lot of AI and with a lot of blockchain technology. And, and then on the flip side, I, I think in the very near future, and I think we're already seeing it the great capacity for harm and damage too. So, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully things stay more on the good side than the bad. <laughs> hopefully. Again, uh, it, was, you know, it was an absolute pleasure and uh, looking forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you so much, Adam. Take care. Yep, enjoy the weekend. <laughs> All right. And that concludes episode one of season two. Good night, everybody.